4. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 1. The Bible says, And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Look at verse 2. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Very important. They were upset. They were clearly upset because a big part of what was being preached was the resurrection. Now, same chapter, skip down to verse number eight, if you will. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he has made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, here it is, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Skip down to verse number 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Wow, what a verse. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I wonder, does anybody know that you've been with Jesus? Can people tell by your lifestyle that you've been with Jesus? Look, if you will, at verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed uh, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Verse 17, but that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Look at verse 20. He said, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Skip down to verses 31 through 33. The Bible says in verse number 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And I'm really especially interested in verse number 33. The Bible says, and with great power. Now, that's a totally different message, and I won't preach this message today, but, but that word power in verse number 33 is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. We get a word from that. It's called dynamite. And the Bible says, and with great power, with dynamite power, with the power of TNT, with great power gave the apostles witness. Oh, here it is of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. You may be seated this morning and just for a few moments, I wanna to talk to you about the subject you see on the screen, the reality 
of the resurrections, the reality of the resurrections. I've got a lot of content, but I think I can give it to you really, really quickly this morning. And uh, we may get out right about the same time we always do. But if we go over just a few minutes, it won't be very many at all. And, uh, and so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to help us today. And we'll jump into the Bible study this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary. What a service. Oh, Lord, what a service. Lord, I've been ministered to. Lord, my spirit has been encouraged. Lord, at least for me, it, it, it feels like I have been plugged into the spiritual charger. And God, I'm thankful that my spiritual battery is being charged right now. Lord, this is what the church is supposed to be. And this is what the church was designed to do. Lord, to encourage, to edify, to build up the body, to, to lift up the name of Jesus. And I believe, Father, his name has been lifted up. I believe Jesus has been exalted. We pray that he will increase and we will decrease. And Father, I pray for that same power that the apostles preached with that dunamis power. I pray for that power now. And God, I pray that we would see, say something that would honor you and please you, Father. And, and I pray also we would say something that would make so much sense and that it would be a blessing to the hearers today, not only here, but those on the live stream. So Lord, you've already done the supernatural. And I'm praying that you would do the supernatural once again. Meet with us, we pray. We love you and praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And for his sake, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. After reading the scripture that we just read, it's evident, it's evident that these men were not just motivated, but they were so motivated. So motivated that they would not and could not be discouraged from Christian service. These religious leaders had come out and said, no more. You'll not speak anymore in his name. You'll not preach. You'll not teach. You'll not testify anymore in the name of Jesus. And I love what Peter said, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, you can discourage us all day, but we're not gonna stop. We're going to keep on preaching. We're going to keep on teaching. We're going to keep on singing. We're going to keep on glorifying him because there was something that had so moved these men and had so motivated these men. You say, well, preacher, what was it? And this is what it was. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it was. It was the resurrection. You see, these men knew something. They knew that Christ had risen from the dead. And it wasn't something they just heard. They saw it with their own eyes. They saw the Lord. They, they had physically saw him. And because of that, they would not be discouraged from their mission. They would not be discouraged from their project. And by the way, that's a good place just to stop and say, Calvary Baptist Church, neither should we be discouraged from our mission. And it doesn't matter whether the whole world be for us or the whole world be against us. We know that Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, it is time to get busy for the cause of Jesus Christ. The word resurrection there in Acts chapter 4 is the Greek word anastasis. It means a standing up again. That's so wonderful. A standing up again. 
The Bible says that Jesus laid down his life. They didn't take it from him. They didn't force him to the cross. The Bible says he came as a lamb to the slaughter. And he laid down his life. But I'm so glad that he didn't just lay down his life, but thank God he stood up again. That's what it means. It means a raising from the dead. And I love this. It means revival. That's what the word anastasis means, a revival. Now, we begin to think about resurrection. Uh, normally, we think about one. We narrow it down to one resurrection, and, and I certainly understand that. But in all actuality, there's quite a few resurrections that took place throughout the Scripture. And I'm going to nail them down today, if I could, to about four categories. And I'll just quickly, quickly, I want to mention these four categories of resurrections in the Scripture. And I think some of them would just be interesting, and others of them may be life-changing. Four categories of the resurrections in Scripture. Number one is what I'm calling the resurrection of saints who had passed. The resurrection of saints who had passed. There at least, we know of, there are at least eight distinct stories in the Bible that deal with someone being raised from the dead. I'll just go through and mention them to you real quickly. For instance, in 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible tells us an interesting story about the prophet Elijah. There was a dearth in the land. There was a famine in the land. And there wasn't much food. There wasn't much water. And, uh, and the Bible says that God sent Elijah down to a place called Zarephath. And he said, Elijah, uh, you just go down there. He said, there's a little widow lady that you're going to come in contact with. And she's going to take care of you. And I told this story just the other night. So I'll not go all into it. But the Bible says that this little widow lady was down to just a little bit of meal left in the barrel. And she had a little bit of, uh, of oil left in a cruise. And Elijah came into town. And he said, would you? fetch me some water. And then he said to this lady, this little widow, he, he said, would you bake me a cake, a little, little cake of bread? Would you bake me a cake? She said, she said, sir, she said, honestly, she said, we've got just a little bit of meal left in the bottom of the barrel. She said, we're getting ready to gather some kindling. Well, I'm going to make a little cake for my, my son and I, and we're going to eat this last meal. We're going to die. And Elijah the prophet said to the widow of Zarephath, go and do as thou hast said, but make me a cake first. Now that seems selfish, but what Elijah was saying was this, if you'll do what God says, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, God will take care of you. She goes and she bakes the prophet a, a cake of bread. She brings it back to him and she presents it to him. And Elijah eats and a little bit later she goes back to the barrel. And she says, well, it's all gone now. It's all empty. And she reaches down to the bottom of the barrel and all of a sudden she brings out a, a cup of meal. She looks in the, in the cruise and there's a little bit of oil left in the cruise and, and she bakes her son and herself a, a, a cake of bread and, and, uh, uh, and they eat. And the next day she comes back and she gets down in that barrel and, and guess what? There's a little bit of meal, a meal left in the barrel again and there's a little bit of oil left in the cruise again. And by the way, the next day she goes back and 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 that, that, that barrel will never waste away and the oil never goes away. And how many know that there is a God? Amen. Now the Bible tells us this in 1 Kings chapter 17. The Bible says that, that as fate would have it, the widow of Zarephath, her little boy, dies. And the Bible says that Elijah comes and he touches her son. He stretches himself upon the child, the Bible says, three times. And the Bible says that God raises the widow of Zarephath's son. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read another interesting story about another prophet. His name was Elisha. Elisha has a little family, a little Shunammite family. 
And they have a little room and they allow him to stay there as he's doing his prophetic duties and traveling around the country. He has this little place that he goes where we get the word prophet's chamber from. And he comes to this little house and they said, man of God, you come here and stay anytime. We've got a little extra room. It's furnished. You can come here and sleep. You can come here and get some relaxation and you come here anytime. And so Elisha would go there and he would stay there in that home. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so he would, would go there and visit with those folks and they would put him up. They would lodge him and take care of him and meet his needs. Well, the Bible says that Elisha had left and the little boy in this family had went out into the field to work with his daddy and he fell. Somehow he fell and evidently he hit his head and the little boy perished. When they brought him back to the mother and he died, basically the mother said, we've got to find the man of God. Her and the servant, uh, they, they go find Elisha and the Bible says that Elisha comes back and he touches the little boy and he raises the little boy to life again. Then there's another interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 13. This is great, you're gonna love this one. This is the story of what I call the unknown man who touches the bones of Elisha. There's a funeral going on and some men, I guess, are burying their friend. And it's a time of great oppression in Israel. The Moabites are ruling the land. And the Bible says that this little, uh, this little group goes out to bury their friend. And as they're going to bury their friend, they're interrupted by the enemy. The Moabites are, are, are spotted. A group of the Moabites are spotted. And so these men know they've got to get rid, they've got to do something. They've got to get rid of this, uh, this uh, dead body so they can escape. And so the Bible says that, that they take this dead body and they lower him quickly down into the grave of Elisha. The Bible says that when his body touched the bones of the prophet, that he stood up. That life came back into his body and, and God resurrected this young man from the grave. Then we read the story of Mark chapter 5 where Jesus raises the daughter of Jairus. Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. I'm hurrying. Y'all hang with me now. This is good stuff. It's too good to miss. And the Bible says the ruler of the synagogue comes to Jesus and he said, Jesus, my little 12-year-old daughter's sick and, and he said, she's going to die and I need you to come. And the Bible says that Jesus went with him. But during the, time, during, during the way, they got a little distracted and other people were coming and other people needed healing. And the Bible says that when Jesus got to the house of Jairus, that his little daughter had died. The mourners were there. They were weeping and crying. And, and Jesus walked into the house and he said, don't weep. He said, she's just sleeping. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn, mocked him. And the Bible says that Christ went into the room and he spoke to this little 12-year-old maiden. And the Bible says she sat up. Oh, yes. That's a God I serve. I think about John chapter 11. We mentioned it this morning, early in the service, where the Bible says that God raised Lazarus. By the way, a friend of Jesus. The, the, the scripture tells us he loved Lazarus. And he, and he goes down to Bethany and Lazarus has been dead for four days and, and Jesus says, show me where the tomb is and they bring him to the tomb and, and Jesus says, roll the stone away and, and, uh, and the sister of Lazarus says, Lord, he's been dead for four days and, 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 and his body, a corruption has already set in and, and, and if you roll the stone back, there's gonna be an odor. He, he's already stinking and, and, uh, and the Bible says that Jesus said, roll the stone away and then our Bible tells us that Christ cried out and he said, Lazarus, come forth. 
By the way, I like what one scholar said, had Jesus not specified, had Jesus not focused on Lazarus, had Jesus said, come forth, every corpse in every part of the world at that very moment, because he has that kind of power, every corpse would have came out of the grave at that very moment. In Luke chapter 7, we read the story of Jesus raising the widow of Nain's only son. Remember that? The Bible says that Christ comes to the gate of the city of Nain. My wife and I were in Nain not many months ago. And Jesus comes to the gate of the city there and and there's a funeral procession. And there's a little widow lady. Husband is gone. She only has one son. And boy, back in that day, especially if your husband was dead, that was a very, very important uh, asset. And, and, and they're, they're in funeral procession. They're taking him to the grave. They're going to put him in the ground. And, and the Bible says that Jesus, by the way, by the way, did you know Jesus never attended a funeral without breaking it up? Amen. It's hard to have a funeral when life is there. And the Bible says that Jesus comes and he touches the coffin, touches the beer, the Bible says. And our Bible tells us that the young man in the coffin sits up and he begins to speak. And our Bible tells us that Christ gives the son back to his little mom. In Acts chapter 9, we read of the apostle Peter. There's a lady that lives in Joppa. She's a dedicated disciple of Christ. Her name is Tabitha. And evidently, she's a caregiver. Evidently, everybody loves her. Evidently, she's the kind of person that just pours herself out and helps everybody. And she was really a credit to the church and and really a blessing to many. And the Bible says that Tabitha passes away. And our Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9 that Peter comes in and Peter raises Tabitha to life again. And then Acts chapter 20, of course, that famous and funny story. The Bible says that that Paul, Paul is preaching. In fact, our Bible says that he was long preaching. So don't ever tell me that I'm long-winded, all right? Because I'm gonna say, listen, this servant went all night, it went all night long. And the Bible says that Paul was long in preaching and Eutychus was sitting up in the window, if you will, probably getting air. He was sitting up in the window in the third loft and the Bible says that Eutychus fell asleep during the preaching, all right? Everybody all right this morning? Some of our folks came back in from the breakfast and were like, preacher, I'm so sleepy. I said, no sleeping right now. You can sleep in a little while, amen. And Eutychus fell asleep, and when he fell asleep, instead of falling in, he fell out. And he fell from the third loft, and the Bible says that he was dead, but the Bible tells us that Paul went down, and the Bible says he touched Eutychus, and he raised Eutychus to life again. Now you say, Pastor, why are you telling all those stories? Well, let me tell you one of the main reasons, because I believe there's a wonderful, wonderful lesson here, and the lesson is this, that Jesus Christ most definitely has the power to generate uh, generate life into that which was dead. Amen. Did you know you may be here this morning, and the enemy's trying to speak into your life and he says you're done for you're dead you're 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 you're, listen there's no hope left for you I mean there's no hope left for you you may be here this morning and you say pastor nobody knows but I'm addicted to some kind of a bondage of some kind of a narcotic I'm addicted to alcohol I'm addicted to pornography I'm addicted to to something that uh, that that has me in its bond and the devil has come and the 
devil is saying, there's no hope for you. I've got you where I want you. You're dead. But I want to tell you, hallelujah, I serve a Savior that has resurrection power. Yes, yes, yes. And he can touch you where you are. He can free you right now. He can break that chain. He can break that bondage. You say, Pastor, I've tried AA, and I'm not preaching against AA, but I'm telling you, Jesus can do what Alcoholics Anonymous can't do. And I'm not against these programs, and I'm not against Narcotics Anonymous and all those kind of things, but I'm telling you, I serve a Savior that's able to raise you from the dead if he sees fit to do that. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The resurrection of saints who had passed. How about this quickly? The resurrection of souls from paradise. Now I mentioned this the other night, so I'm not going to stay here and belabor this point. But I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And we read a very interesting story. I want you to look at it with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 50. Now, the Lord Jesus is on the cross. Matthew 27, 50. The Bible says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, verse 52, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now, like I said, I talked about this the other night, so I'm not going to belabor this point. But I would, I would just hit it quickly, and, and I'll go to, the, go to the next, because I believe there's a, a very important correlation here. Before Christ died, Old Testament saints did not go to heaven. I'm talking about men like Moses. I'm talking about men like Abraham. I'm talking about men uh, like Elijah, like Elisha. Those were righteous saints, but they did not go to heaven. They went to paradise. They went to a place called Abraham's bosom. You say, how do you know that? Because scripture tells us that. So they, so technically those righteous saints, technically they went to hell, but they went to a compartment in hell that was reserved for the righteous. It was a place of comfort. It was not a place of torment. Uh, now there was another section of hell called Hades, but those righteous saints would go to that, to that, to a, a place of comfort and, uh, and, and, and they didn't go to heaven. They went there. You say now, Pastor, that doesn't make any sense. But it really does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. And you say, Pastor, why did those righteous saints not go to heaven? And the reason they didn't go to heaven is because the blood of Jesus Christ had not been shed. You say important? Oh, yes. By the way, still important. The blood had not been applied. Did you know you'll never make it to heaven without the blood of Jesus? You say, Pastor, I have you know I'm one, of, I, I'm, I'm one of the most active citizens in our community. That's wonderful. And I'm, I mean that. I applaud you for that. But I'm telling you what, being an active citizen won't take you to heaven. You say, Preacher, I'm a Sunday school teacher. Pastor, I'm a deacon. I, I, I am a, a leader in the church. I'm a leader in the community. That's wonderful. And I mean that. That's wonderful. But I'm telling you, good works do not save. And good works do not take you to heaven. Except the blood of Christ is applied, you'll never make it to heaven. 
And so here are these, here are these righteous saints in a place called paradise. The blood of Jesus has not been, uh, yet been shed. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood. They put him in the grave. The Bible says that three days later, God raised him from the dead. And Jesus Christ, as our great high priest, took his own blood, not the blood of a lamb, but he took his own blood as the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He went to heaven. He applied his own blood to the mercy seat. And once and for all made atonement for all of our sins. Then the Bible tells us that Jesus went to hell and he took those righteous saints in paradise and he took them to heaven with him. Now you say, uh, you say, why preacher? Because the blood had been shed. Now we sort of see that going on here in Matthew chapter 27 when those graves came open. And that was no doubt some of those righteous saints that we're being reunited with that, with that body. Now, I said all that to say this. Did you know that is a picture of a very real future resurrection called the rapture of the church? <laughs> Did you know our Bible teaches, you can jot these down, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 53. Did you know the Bible teaches us that one of these days Christ is going to come? By the way, did you know that we celebrate his resurrection today? But before this day is done, there could be another resurrection that takes place. The rapture. You say, oh, preacher, it won't happen. The Bible says when you say it's not going to happen, look out. Because that's when it's going to happen. And our Bible says that Jesus is going to come in the air. He's not coming to the earth. He's coming to the, in the air. And the Bible says that the church, those that are blood washed, those that are saved, those that are born again, the Bible says that we are going to leave this earth. We're going to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you going to be in that resurrection? You say, I sure hope so. Well, you can know so. If you're here today and you say, well, pastor, if the rapture took place today, I'm not sure whether I would go or I'd be left behind. Okay, well, we're glad you're here today and there's something that you can do about that before you leave today. To know Christ as Savior is to be ready for that resurrection. But I couldn't wait to get to this third one. Number three is the resurrection of sinners from a past life. Boy, church, aren't you glad that you don't have to live forever struggling with this old Adamic nature, this body of sin, this body of flesh. Aren't you glad you don't have to live forever with this same old temptation and the same old sinful desires and the same old weakness of the flesh day after day and month after month and year after year? You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that because Jesus Christ came out of the grave and he's alive, did you know our Bible teaches because of that that you and I can also have new life in Jesus Christ? Now listen to me, you don't have to stay in that lifestyle you're in. Amen. You said, preacher, I guess this is just my lot in life. I guess this is just the way it's going to always be. Always struggling, always hurting, always having pain, uh, never having any peace, never having any joy, never having any love. I'm going to tell you, my dear friend, that may be what Satan wants for you, but it's not what Jesus wants for you. And because he has risen from the grave, hey, you too can be risen from your grave today. When the convert is saved, I love this, and we, just last week we baptized. When the convert is saved and follows in baptism, 
What he's saying by baptism is this, that since Jesus has been resurrected, I too have been resurrected to live a totally new life. The little song says, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. The words I used to say, I don't say them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Amen, yes. You say, Pastor, I think I'll just hold on to my sin. Go ahead. But ain't near as good as what I got. I'm telling you what, there's nothing like living for Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's nothing like being a Christian. There's nothing like living for the Lord. I'm telling you, there's nothing that compares to it. There's nothing that compares to it. I'm so thankful that because of his resurrection, we can have a new life in Jesus Christ. Will you forgive me for using a recent illustration? But it fits so good here that I just felt like I had to tell it. His name was Sam Jones. Sam Jones came from a a line of, of great preachers. And Sam decided he was going to be a lawyer. Instead of a preacher, he was going to be a lawyer. And so he went to law school, studied in law school, graduated. By the way, they said he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. But Sam Jones made made a mistake. He started drinking. At first, it was very innocent. By the way, it always is, isn't it? I'm sure the devil said, you know, just one drink's not going to make that big of a difference. And so Sam Jones, by the way, you read his testimony, it did, it did start innocent. But Sam Jones became a horrible alcoholic. They said his mind was brilliant. He could have been one of the, one of the greatest attorneys that's ever lived. But now uh, he's living a life that's worthless, worthless. He is so addicted to the bottle that he cannot get victory. He cannot get out from underneath that bondage. And, and his, it, it, nobody will hire him. He can't work a job. And, uh, and his life is, 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 uh, is a shambles. Sam Jones' daddy was on his deathbed. Sam Jones was called. He showed up there at his dad's bedside, living the life of a vagabond, clothes, tattered, stained. He stood beside his dad's bed as his dad is getting ready to, to leave this world. And his dad said these words, my poor, wicked, wayward, reckless boy. You've broken the heart of your sweet wife and you brought me down in sorrow to my grave. And just as Sam Jones' daddy was getting ready to take his last breath, this is what he said, promise me. Promise me, my boy, to meet me in heaven. Sam Jones left that that meeting, and I want to read his actual testimony. These are his actual words. Sam Jones said, I went to the bar and begged for a glass of liquor. I got the glass and started to drink, looked into the mirror. I saw my hair matted, the filth and vomit on my clothes. One of my eyes was totally closed. My lips were swollen. And I said, is that all that's left of the proud and brilliant lawyer, Sam Jones? I smashed the glass on the floor and fell on my knees and cried, oh God. Oh, God. 
mercy. The bartender ran to my side and thought I was dying. And he said, and I was. I said, just let me alone. I picked myself up and staggered to my cheap rooming house and said to the ladies running it, would you do me a favor? They answered in the affirmative. I asked them to bring me a pot of black coffee. I went through three days and nights of hell. But when the morning came, something had happened to old Sam Jones. He said, I went down to the clothing store and I said, I want you to give me a new suit. I got saved last night. Sam Jones is coming back. Not only did I get a suit, but shirts, ties, coat, everything I needed. And as I left, the merchant stuck a $100 bill into my hand. I went to the barber for I had not had a shave in over a month. I asked for a bath, a shave, and a haircut. I put on new clothes looking pale and weak. I left to go to my wife whom I had beaten till she was black and blue. Hang on, church. She didn't even recognize her own husband. I said, honey, God has given you a new husband and the children a new daddy. And I wonder if you'll forgive me and start all over again. She grabbed me in her arms and cried, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've been praying for this. And I've been going around the country bragging about Jesus ever since. And come somebody say amen right there. Just as sure as I'm here this morning, there's someone and the devil has you in, in, in his grips and he's told you that you're never getting free. You're never, get, never getting out. He's got you where he wants you. But I'm so glad that you made your way to the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove today. And I'm so glad that I have the honor and the privilege of standing up here today and telling you, my dear friend, there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. I said there is hope. There is hope. And it's not through a social program and it's not through a class and it's not through a politician. Hey, there is hope. But there's hope in Jesus today. Because he has been risen, you can be risen. You can be risen. We're done. Number four is the resurrection of the Savior as our precious Redeemer. By the way, because of this resurrection, that last one I just preached on is uh, available. Because Jesus is alive. Malachi chapter four, verse two, you can just write it down or you can turn there if you can turn fast. Malachi chapter four, verse number two, Malachi the prophet said it like this, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Listen, when Jesus came out of the grave, he gave us victory over death, hell, and the grave. You say, Pastor, what is it about you Christian people? What is it with y'all? I come to your funerals, you're smiling. Oh, there's sadness. People are wiping tears. But I see people that have peace. I, 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 I walk by the, the hospital room and someone's got stage four cancer. They're getting ready to check out, not out of the hospital, out of life. And yet I hear singing. I hear even some laughter. You say, Pastor, what is it with you, with you saved people? Can I tell you what it is? His name is Jesus. 
And because Jesus Christ came out of the grave, you know what? I don't have to fear death. Yeah. I hope you don't, but if you hear later today, Brother Steve fell over dead with a heart attack. Listen, you, 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 just, you just remember something. Yes, yes, you just remember something that when I close my eyes on this side, I open my eyes on the other side. Amen. When these lungs took their last breath of earthly air, brother, the next breath was celestial air. Amen. Hey, if the last hand I felt was my beautiful wife, the next hand I'll feel will be nail-scarred hands. Yes, my dear friend. Jesus has taken, did you know the Bible tells us that Jesus has taken the sting out of death? 1 Corinthians 15, 55, oh death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're done. Dad and his little boy were in the car and they were traveling to a destination. They didn't know, they didn't know it, but when they had got in the car, a bee had, had slipped in the car. And this bee, they're going down the road, this bee starts flying around. The little, boy's, the little boy's allergic and he's hysterical. I mean, he's literally hysterical. And the dad could see his fear. And so the dad just reaches up. He just reaches up and he grabs the bee in his hand. And then after just a little bit, he lets the bee go. The bee's sort of broken, but it flies away. And when the bee flies away, the little boy just goes hysterical again. And the dad says this, son, you don't have to worry about the bee anymore because he left his stinger in my hand. Did you know you don't have to worry about death anymore if you're a born-again child of God because the sting of death was left in the hands of the man, Jesus Christ. Wow, what a special day. Resurrection. Resurrection. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Lord, we're so glad, we're so privileged that we get to come together and to commemorate and to remember not only the death of our Savior, but the rising again of our Savior. Lord, he is very much alive. And Father, because he is alive, we can be alive. Lord, maybe there's, maybe there's someone here today under the sound of my voice or maybe someone watching by way of the live stream truth is they're living in death. Lord, the devil sold them a bill of lies. He threw them that curveball we preached about the other night. They swung at it. Somebody right now is living in bondage. Someone right now, Lord, has a heavy, heavy load on their life. Maybe they've not told anybody, but they know it's so. And the enemy has come and the enemy has said, you're never going to get out from underneath this load. There's no hope for you. But Lord, would you help them to realize that Jesus Christ is able to raise them, to resurrect them, 
to brand new life. Lord, I'm asking you to do something special today. I'm asking you to save some souls. I'm asking you, Lord, to break some chains. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to break some chains. Lord, someone's walked in here today without hope. And I pray today, Father, that you'd give them hope. And that hope, I pray, will be in Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Right before we stand, just a question or two. Without anybody looking just for a minute. I wonder how many are here today and you'd say, Brother Steve, if I died today, I know that I've passed from death unto life. I know that I'm born again. I know that my name is written down in heaven. And if you can honestly say that between you and the Lord Jesus, would you, without looking, would you just slip your hand up and you can, you can take it right back down again? That's wonderful. That's such a blessed sight. But I'm getting ready to ask a very important question. And here it is. If you died today, God forbid, but if you died today, do you know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven when you die? If you don't know, I'd like to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name. I'd just like to pray for you. I'm not going to come back and, and try to drag you down an aisle, but I sure would like to pray for you. And God will know who you are. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many are here today and you'd say, Preacher, would you just pray for me? I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. I want to go, Pastor. I want to go. But I'm just not sure. And I want you to pray for me. Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Say, Preacher, would you pray for me? God bless you. Thank you so much. Who else? God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there another? Right now, you'd slip your hand up. You'd say, preacher, if I died, I'm not sure. I see that hand. Anybody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you remember me? Preacher, I want to go. I'm just not sure. Pray for me. Pray for me. Come on. Come on. Let's be honest today. Pastor, remember me. Remember me. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm, I'm going to make this quick. I promise I'm going to make this quick. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many would be here today and right now in your life, there's some kind of a chain. There's some kind of a bondage. Satan has deceived you. There's some things that you're struggling with. By the way, it may not be alcohol. It could be bitterness. It could be bitterness. It could be resentfulness, anger. It could be a lot of things. And I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I would ask you this. Would you raise your hand in your spirit right now? You'd say, you know what, Preacher Steve, it's me. I'm battling with some things. I really am. I'm battling with some things. Boy, I need prayer. Man, oh man, I need prayer. Then I'm going to ask you to do something. In just a moment, I want you to make your way down to this old-fashioned altar and just find a place. If you want someone to pray with you, we'll have some personal workers here. 
But you don't have to pray with them. You can just come down and pray with you and the Lord. But I'm going to ask you to make a move for the Lord Jesus today. Let's all stand this morning, Father. Thank you for a wonderful service. And thank you for the privilege to be here at Calvary today. And thank you, Lord, that you're dealing with hearts. That's exciting. God, I pray in just a moment that folks would begin to make their way down to this old-fashioned altar. And I pray they would come. And God, I pray they'd find salvation. I pray they'd find deliverance. God, I pray you'd break the chains. Lord, I pray that you'd resurrect some people to live a new life. Lord, I pray you'd give some folks some hope that don't have any hope. Lord, right now, I'm asking you to do the supernatural. I pray you'd bind the powers of darkness, Lord. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood, Lord, over this service. And God, I pray that you'd have your way today. And we thank you in Christ's name.